You are Locked On Cougars. This is your daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. Thank you for joining us on a special weekend edition of the show. We've been doing these throughout the summer and we'll continue them throughout the summer as our player countdown series rolls on. But today, news coming out late yesterday that the Pac-12 has decided to follow the Big Ten's lead and go with an all a conference game schedule. Welcoming in a dear friend of the podcast, Sean Walker, to talk a little bit about BYU's options now that they've, now that they're down five games. So we'll get to his conversation with myself, and we'll also talk a little bit about the player countdown series. I'm gonna have Sean weigh in with his thoughts on the best players to warn the number 55 and the number 54 in Cougar uniform. So it should be a lot of fun. So let's get it going here. This is the Locked On Cougars podcast. Special weekend edition begins right now. What's up, guys? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah. Thanks again for taking the time to download your original daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars with us here. Kicking off today's show, we're going to have a lot of fun. Welcome in a GFOP, we'll call him. We'll use a term from another podcast that he and I are both familiar with. Sean Walker from KSL.com. Sean, my friend, how are you? Jay, calling me a good friend of the podcast is probably giving me way more credit than I deserve, but I appreciate the nomenclature, and thanks for having me on, man. Absolutely. Well, Sean, uh, yesterday you and I both saw it. The Pac-12 decided to do a Friday news dump with the announcement they are going with a conference game-only schedule. Uh, that means that BYU in the past two days has lost five of their scheduled 12 opponents for the 2020 season, combined with the Big Ten announcement on Thursday. What has kind of been your initial reaction to all of this news coming out with these two conferences, speaking of the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, deciding, you know what, we're going conference game only? Yeah, I mean, I think the most uh, – let's let's start with the Pac-10 first – or the, the Pac-12, sorry um, – reverting back to the old days of, of when uh, my beloved Arizona state in Arizona uh, joined the conference with the PAC 10. Um, but, but let's, let's talk to the PAC 12 a little bit um, first, because I think a lot's been said about the big tens move and it maybe caught some people off guard, but not most people that were paying attention um, with the PAC 12. I think that kind of escalated a little bit more. The The thing that surprised me the most about Friday night's announcement, in fact, um, with the Pac-12 Pac, Pac moving to a an all-conference schedule, if you will, no non-conference play, mm-hmm. um, the thing that, that, that probably caught me the most off guard was timing. I didn't expect this to happen Friday night. Yeah. Now, in hindsight, I probably should have expected it. You know, Friday night news dump, uh, <laughs> pretty classic. I think it came across that, like, 404 um, mountain time for us which is right in that like sweet spot for eastern time zone where stuff just gets lost all the time um coincidentally enough there's another really big piece of news that the pac-12 dumped like 45 minutes later that if you weren't paying attention to the twitter feed you probably totally lost we can maybe touch on that um but it's maybe not super important to byu fans um, but yeah, so, so mostly just timing. I, I think most of us expected this from the PAC 12. We, we expected, uh, a decision on conference versus non-conference play. And as soon as the big 10 pulled that trigger, you had to feel like other power five conferences were probably going to feel a little bit more emboldened to, yeah. 
to make that same decision. Just like the Big Ten's decision was probably a little bit emboldened by the day before when the Ivy League came out and said, mm, you know what, guys, we're actually not going to play sports this fall. We're going to push everything to the spring. So that, that, I mean, that Wednesday decision by the Ivy League, while it's not viewed, I think, by a lot of college football fans as being pivotal to the start of a season, I really think that's going, that's kind of the beginning of not just what you've seen over the next two days with the Big Ten and the Pac-12, but just what you're probably going to see over the next even two to three weeks up until the end of July, probably. Yeah. And see, that's, I kind of, I I subscribe to that same theory with you. This is going to be a trend that's going to continue. The problem with it is speaking for BYU is that you are now down almost half of the games you originally had scheduled. And there are still a bevy of conferences who have not made their declarations of what they're going to do. The mountain West came out with a statement that they're still evaluating what their options are at this juncture. And it very quickly could turn into, Sean, that BYU essentially has no games scheduled for 2020. If that were that worst-case scenario were to come to pass, the Cougars could find themselves real thin on games. But I think also the other conversation is, will there be any games played at all here? Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of the next step right now. I, I you know, now that the Big Ten and the Pac-12 domino has fallen like that, um, we've we've heard a lot of reports that the ACC is really close to making, if not the same decision, a very very similar decision. Mm-hmm. Um, there's talk about them maybe adding a plus one game so that a bunch of their schools can play some SEC rivals which I think makes sense. Um, If that were to happen, I think that could be a best case scenario. In fact, for a school like BYU, because not everybody has one of those in-state SEC crossovers. And so you can maybe work a couple of extra games out of a schedule. If it's going to suddenly have all sorts of open dates like that. But after the ACC falls, then I think the SEC is probably going to fall. And lo and behold, there will be another opponent taken off of BYU's schedule. Of course, we're talking about that October 10th game against Missouri. Yeah. Um, so that's that's probably not too far in the distant future. And then as soon as all of the Power Five schools, you know, the Big 12 might be the last one to go. And 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 Bob Bowlesby the other day um, said their conference wasn't really considering this move. But if they're the last Power Five conference that's left with non-conference play, you got to think it's only a matter of time before they reconsider that option. And then as soon as the power five is up, then the group of five has to go, well, is it worth us to, you know, try to play outside of, of uh, conference play? And then that might even trickle down to the FCS. And before you know it, yeah, we're, we're certainly considering a year or at least a fall at the very least um, without football. Yeah. It, uh, at this it, right now, Sean, it doesn't look good. We're seeing multiple hot spots all over the country, and even here in the state of Utah, we're seeing record numbers of cases of coronavirus uh, popping up daily, and it's got me very concerned because I remember talking just what a month ago or so, thinking, you know what, trends are looking good. I think football is going to be a go here. I started my player countdown series that we'll get to here in a minute on the podcast, and I thought it was. Hey, we're going to go for this, but very quickly things have just changed. Even last week I had some inkling that, you know what, college football could pull something off here. But after all the news this week, I have never been more down about the chances of actually seeing college football games, not just BYU games, just college football in general than I am right now. 
Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of that going on across the country, quite frankly. I mean, I I I think morale and optimism is at, a, is at an all-time low, or at least close to an all-time low since, you know, late May, early June, when players were starting to get ready to report back to campus, voluntary workouts were, were starting to be to, to be undertaken at a lot of schools. Um, but maybe contributing to some of that pessimism as well is the fact that these, these schools can't stay open yeah. with the handful of student athletes that they have on campus right now. And it's not everybody. I mean, it's, it's, it's most players when, when coaches say voluntary workouts, we know what that really means and what that really entails, but there are some players who aren't, aren't on campus. They're not able to be there. They're prioritizing academics with internships and, and that kind of thing. So, um, you know, it's probably still 75, 85% of, of players on, on, you know, next year's active roster, but, but certainly not even everybody is there and a lot of coaches aren't there and that kind of thing. So you don't have as much of a mass gathering, um, but you're still seeing these little mini outbreaks, you know, Clemson had to shut down, had Correct. to, had to suspend workouts. LSU recently, uh, Kansas state, I think was one of the first ones you're every day. It just seems like you're, you're seeing new schools that have to shut down. And if they can't handle workouts, you know, if they yep. can't, if they can't talk about practice, not a game, mm. but practice, we're talking about practice Way to go, AI. and these teams are shutting it down. <laughs> I mean, I, I just, I don't, I don't think that's, I don't think that's a good idea. Yeah. Obviously my dog's really upset right there. You, you hear him barking a little bit in the background. Sorry about that. Um, but yeah, Jake, I mean, I just, I don't, I just, I don't, I don't know how games can continue if most power five, even universities, the ones with the big resources and the big, the, the, the deep pockets and the money pits, if they can't even handle groups of players practicing, I just, I don't know how games can continue. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna lie. The that was a great segue right there. Your dog's like, you know what? I'm not. I'm not happy about this either. But uh, Sean, so uh, let's. I want to talk a little bit about BYU's potential, like in terms of teams they might be able to schedule. I know you've done some intel on this, so. I want to get to that here in just a second. Before we do that, I want to remind you guys, this podcast survives with your guys' support. So I want to encourage you guys to leave us a rating and review on the podcast. As I have said for the past week or so, we are going to have, uh, we're, we're going to be giving away some Nike gear. I've got some BYU Nike gear that I've picked up over the past little bit. All of you who have give us a rating and review will be entered in to win that. I haven't decided when I'm going to give it away, but I've given plenty of time here for you guys to leave us a rating and review, especially if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. So please, please do so, and you will be entered in to win some BYU gear. More in a moment here with Sean Walker from KSL.com. All right, I mentioned that we wanted to talk with Sean Walker from KSL.com, our good friend, our guest host on the podcast today, a little bit about BYU's options now that they are trying to scramble and put together a schedule. We don't know how many games ultimately BYU is going to have to try and reschedule at this juncture, but we know at least five games are off the docket for BYU. Five of the Power 5 teams that they were expected to face this fall are gone. Sean, you've been doing some research on this. Looking at it, do you feel like BYU will be able to replace the teams that they've, they've already lost, or is this going to be very much a kind of a, a wait-and-see approach for Tom Homo and the BYU Athletic Department? Well, if you're Tom Homo, then time is certainly of the essence, I think, especially if you want some semblance of an on-time start or at least a close-to-on-time start to the college football season. And so with that regard, because you don't necessarily know which other conferences are going to – kind of go behind the paywall, if you will, and, and play conference games only. You, you don't know if that's going to spread to the spread to the rest of the power five or the group of five or that kind of thing. Um, 
when you're replacing when you're repl- trying to replace some of these teams, I think you need to start with the other Division One A independents, yeah. um, the the rest of the FBS independents, and let's take Notre Dame out of the equation because I know BYU fans are probably going to want to want that to happen. I'm sure that was you know one of the first phone calls that Tom Homo made when all this started going down was probably with with uh, Jack Swarbrick. Um, but if we're being totally honest, Jake, it, sorry to to douse your hopes with a little bit of reality, but I. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. I don't think it's very likely. So I think you you reach out and you say, hey, if you guys are interested, we are, but, you know, call us. Um, yeah. And you move on to the rest of the FBS independence in, in college football. Well, so with that in mind, yeah. uh, you've got Army, West Point, the Cadets, uh, New Mexico State, UMass, Liberty, and now new, newly crowned independent uh, Connecticut. Correct. Yeah, UConn. That would be interesting, and I'm with you in the fact that, yeah, Notre Dame's probably a pipe dream. We've seen the reports out there that the ACC, they will help Notre Dame schedule as many games as they need. And I can tell you this much, there is going to be a knockdown, drag-out fight by programs like Stanford and USC with the Pac-12, with this conference. And like, okay, so if you want us to drop that game with Notre Dame, you're going to reimburse us for it. Notre Dame is a cash cow for any team that plays them any year. The, the fans show up in droves. Notre Dame is a brand unto itself. Mm-hmm. So that's probably a pipe dream for BYU. I agree. You make that phone call and say, hey, if you guys are interested, we're interested, obviously. But I'm also with you. You are making phone calls to all these in other independent programs if you haven't already. I would expect that Tom Homos are actually probably been talking to these programs about contingency plans for months now. Now it's actually to a point where, okay, we actually need to seriously sit down and talk about what we can work out here and when you guys might have openings on your guys' schedule. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, to kind of put the Notre Dame theory to bed, BYU's best bet with Notre Dame, quite frankly, could be that Pac-12 connection. You know, we know USC is going to want to play Notre Dame. They're going Mm -hmm. to try to protect that game at all costs. If there's any legal recourse they can use against the Pac-12, they will try to get that game on their schedule. I promise you that. I guarantee you that. Um, In that regard, if you still fit that USC-Notre Dame game in, well, guess what's currently, or I should say before Friday, was was scheduled Mm -hmm. for the same weekend as USC-Notre Dame. It was BYU's trip to Stanford. So if you take those two games – and you plug two FBS independents against two Pac-12 teams, that then leaves the rest of the conference that they can pair up nicely and still keep this relatively symmetrical um, schedule without any other issues. So uh, a lot would have to happen for that to happen, so we can totally move on to that. Um, But what I think makes a ton of sense right now, and BYU fans aren't going to like me saying this, but I think UConn's got to be an answer. It, it, they're they're an option. There's no doubt about it. Um, back to Thursday. Yeah, I, I mean this goes back to Thursday when the Big Ten announced their move. Um, BYU immediately lost games a home game September 12th against Michigan Michigan State and then Correct. a road game September 26th at Minnesota. Mm-hmm. On those two dates, those two dates exactly to a T, UConn was set to play at Illinois and then host Indiana. Oh wow! Okay. So you have two independents. Mm-hmm that lost two games from the big 10 on identical dates. I think at least one of those dates gets filled by the university of Connecticut. 
very easily. It's it's yeah. It, I mean, it should be it should be almost a given right now. It's just a matter of where they play it. Well, and see, then that's that's the thing that this is going to all entail is Tom Homo is going to have to make phone calls all over the country and say, hey, we've got openings on these dates. Can you guys fill any of that? And UConn, if that's the case, if they already have those two corresponding weeks open for both programs, I'm with you. One of those weeks is probably a UConn Husky BYU Cougar matchup. I would guess that Homo tries to get the game out here in Provo, probably to replace the home date you had against a team like Michigan State. But this is going to very much be just kind of a a game of, uh, okay, do you have an opening? Okay, when do you have an opening? And if, are you willing to play us? It is going to be tough for a guy like Tom Homo to put together a schedule. The one thing that does help him here, Sean, is the reports today from the NCAA Oversight Committee is that they're going to allow up to two FCS games count towards bowl eligibility this year. So that means BYU actually can start making some phone calls to some local or regional FCS teams namely Weber State, Dixie State, SUU, Idaho State. Think of anybody regional who's an FCS program and say, hey, we've got these open dates. Can you guys help us out here? And that could help you out a little bit as well. Yeah, and you might even see a game at the end of the season that gets replaced simply for that reason because you don't necessarily want to be traveling teams across the country if you don't absolutely absolutely have to. I mean, BYU is currently scheduled to end the home season November 21st against North Alabama. Alabama is experiencing a very similar spike in COVID-19 cases as Utah right now. I can't imagine that the Lions would want to make that trip if they can afford um, not to in any way. So you could also see that game very easily re, very easily replaced mm-hmm. by the likes of say Dixie State which is also an FCS independent yeah. and has a little bit of wiggle room or should have a little bit of wiggle room with their schedule as well kind of like BYU yeah this is i don't envy tom homo over the next what month or so as he tries to go about revamping the schedule he is going to have why he gets paid the semi big bucks <laughs> yeah semi big bucks that's a good way of putting it absolutely the thing is sean this is going to be a, a tough situation for him to be on the right side of anybody because there are going to be byu fans who are going to be irate that byu puts together a schedule that could have the likes of a liberty a yukon a umass new mexico state Army is actually a pretty well-respected opponent. I think Army would, wouldn't rock the boat with BYU fans. But if you were replacing the likes of Michigan State, Arizona State, Stanford, uh, potentially even Missouri, etc., with the likes of a Liberty, a UConn, a UMass, yeah, BYU fans real quick are going to be like, hold up, this doesn't have the same sizzle that it once had. But that's just the reality of things right now. There are so many unknowns beyond just the scheduling aspect for BYU with this pandemic. But I, I don't envy what Tom Homo is going to have to endure over the next month or so. Yeah. Can I just mention really quick, you bring up army. Um, yeah. I think that's, that's a move that Homo would actually do well to maybe be a little bit proactive right now um, and consider the very real and very strong possibility that that Missouri game on October 10th gets canceled. Okay. Um, army just barely had a game canceled October 10th. They were supposed to host Princeton. So when the Ivy okay. League canceled its yeah. season, obviously Princeton, that opens up a schedule right there. Look at you um, with all the intel on this, Sean. Yeah, I, I think I think Homo maybe needs to make a phone call a little bit even before the SEC goes all the way and makes an announcement and, and call up the cadets, uh, call up the West Point Military Academy and say, hey, can we keep you guys on speed dial mm-hmm. for as soon as this happens? Well, and the thing is, BYU fans would go to West Point. West Point's a storied 
venue up there in New York. East Coast fans, we actually yesterday on Fan Friday, we had uh, Tyler Bergen and Matt, Matt Detweiler on, who are both Virginia uh, residents, on our Fan Friday edition of this podcast. Anything within driving distance for them, they will be at. And they're not alone. They have a bunch of friends who like to do the same thing. So I think if you had to, if you, that October 10th game, if Army says, hey, yeah, you can keep us on speed dial, but we want that to be a home game. If I'm Tom Homo, I'm like, send the contract over. I will sign it right now. Yeah. I mean, maybe you need to work out some financials. Army yeah. Army can certainly probably help to to get BYU to the game, give them some travel coverage there, that kind of thing. But sure. I, I think that's absolutely a no-brainer. Yeah, so this is going to be an interesting situation, Sean. I, like, there, like I said, there's there's no good answers here. So I uh, appreciate you weighing in with that. Some interesting numbers and some interesting dates. You found some great dates there, and I think BYU fans will appreciate that. Uh, Sean, one more thing before we go on this podcast. Uh, you've been listening to this. I've told you about this. The Player Countdown Series. We've been doing... Uh, since day 100, originally counting down to BYU and Utah, which has now been canceled. We're going to keep doing this countdown. I think it's been fun. I'm not going to stop doing it. So coming up here in just a minute, I'm going to have you weigh in. We actually had to do a double dip. We ran out of time yesterday, so we needed to get to player number 55 and player number 54 as we are fi- originally were 54 days away from BYU and Utah kicking off the season. So we'll get to that here in just a second before we do that. Reminder for you guys that this podcast is available everywhere podcasts can be found. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Make sure to hit that follow or subscribe button so you never miss an episode of this show. It's a blast to be with you guys every day. I've said multiple times, and this is kind of my respite from everything else going on in my life, just to talk BYU sports. So please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts and never miss an episode. All right, as we wrap up this special edition, weekend edition of the podcast, we need to get to our player countdown series here. Sean Walker staying on with us to talk a little bit more about this. Sean, you've been around BYU for the majority of your life as well. Obviously, you cover the Cougars for KSL.com, so I thought you'd be a great insight on our dual uh, best Cougar to have worn these respective uniform numbers, speaking of number 55 and number 54. Let's start off with number 55. Let me run down the finalists real quick for, here for everybody. You can follow the show on Twitter. Some good by the ones way. here. Some good ones here. At Locked On Cougars. That way you can weigh in with your votes on this. And our finalists were offensive lineman Oren Olsen, a BYU big man, former center Rafael Arujo, linebacker Justin Enna, or is it Ina, Sean? Is it Enna or Enna? Ina? Have we ever I think got... it's, I'm pretty sure it's Enna. Enna, okay. I'm pretty sure it is too, but I've had people try and tell me it's something different. And then also a, for, a former BYU star in Craig Raymond, another center for the BYU basketball program. Sean, uh, interesting poll results so far on this. Uh, got a little while to go here, so people can still vote on it. But among those four, who would you pick as the best Cougar to reward in the number 55? So I'm going to cheat a little bit here. Okay. Um, your boy, Justin Enna, currently in the lead, mm-hmm. which I don't think is a terrible pick. Um, I think he may be the best number 55. Um to uh, the best cougar to wear a the number 55 on the BYU football team. Okay. But my vote here has to go with the one and only Hoffa himself, former Utah Jazz great number 55 center, Rafael Arnaudio. Yeah. Um 15.1 points, nine and a half rebounds, uh just under a block per game, native of Sao Paulo, Brazil. What's really impressive to me about Hoffa though is he did everything he was doing. I mean, one of the truly great centers, I think, in BYU basketball history. And he proved it from the get-go. He only had two years at BYU. Yeah. 
Um, remember, he came out of uh, Arizona Western, Western, I think yes. it was. Arizona Junior Western, College. yep. Um, and, uh, and yeah, but he, he had some international experience. He acclimated to the Division One game really quick, and he was an immediate starter or a near-immediate starter, uh, if I recall correctly. And then he went on to become a Mountain West Co-Player of the Year, two-time All-Mountain West uh, first team, all sorts of national accolade. Um, and something that not a whole lot of BYU basketball players have been able to say in the last 20 years, unfortunately, um, won a Mountain West championship. That is he correct. He's a conference champion. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, my, my vote here has to go with Hoffa. Well, you also ended up being a first-round draft pick. Uh, you, that you, helps. You can, you, helps. You, you can argue. Are we, are we talking about pro careers, too? Because I can bust out some jazz stuff, too. Well, there's there's, pl- there's plenty to go on with Hoffa, but just the fact that he ended up being a first-round draft pick, that's another thing that a lot of BYU basketball players who have been very good have not done. They've even been, been picked in the NFL draft. And I will admit that Toronto, when they drafted him, it was a massive overreach, I felt like. He lasted, what, three years in the NFL, went on to play overseas for a while, etc. But what he did in a BYU uniform, you're not kidding, Sean. He was an absolute force from the get-go. And I, I, I still remember some of the, let's call them hard fouls that he decided to dish out during his days playing for BYU. And can you you imagine what Hoffa would have been like if he had gone the Bronson Kafusi route of playing of multitasking football and basketball? Yeah, that Um, would have been I think he could have been an okay lineman. He could have been a great defensive end for all I for all that maybe yeah maybe like I I don't know about his footwork too much there. I'd maybe yeah. put him at like left guard or something, but still. He he was an absolute force to be reckoned with. You're right. He only had 2 years to play, but he came in and just made an imp- immediate impact. He did win that Mountain West Conference title. He was the co-player of the year. I'm 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 agreeing with you. I think Hoffa is the best cougar to wear the number 55. I know some of our older listeners will argue that Craig Raymond is getting overlooked. Uh, He's getting overlooked here because uh, he was a great player in his own right back in the day for the Cougars. But let's be honest, you and I are both guys who are of a younger generation. And Hoffa, man, he was a force and he was just so much fun to watch. Yeah, he was he was a great BYU basketball player in, quite frankly, an era of mostly fine BYU basketball players. I don't I don't think I mean, they, they won a couple of conference championships, so they obviously weren't terrible. But he played in an era where there weren't necessarily a ton of standouts. Yeah, I agree with Um, you. Jimorific standouts, if you will. All right, Sean, before we go, we also got to day number 54 here. The best Cougar to win the number 54 jersey. Let me run down the finalists here real quick for people. Uh, Tressa Spalding-Hampson, the former BYU women's basketball legend. I'll, I'll call her legend. She's got legend status. Absolutely. Uh, former BYU offensive lineman Lance Reynolds Jr., BYU uh, big man John Fairchild, and also BYU former BYU linebacker Kerry Whittingham. So we got football and men's and women's basketball in this list, Sean. Where are you going as the best Cougar to have worn the number 54 so i really really want to stick to the hardwood mm-hmm. here um and you know what i'm probably gonna make some people really mad by doing so but okay. forget it i mean it's your podcast so as long as you'll allow me to go ahead um i'm gonna go with with uh Teresa spalding um this i mean this was an absolute paint force in women's basketball. And once again, another player who was very much ahead of her time, um, 
what went on to become BYU's all-time leader in, I think, briefly rebounds, and I know for a fact block shots. I'm trying to she, pull up her her, her, uh, her two daughters who have played for BYU basketball have their number two and three on the all-time blocks list for women's basketball at BYU, and Tressa Spalding Hampson has them by at least a hundred blocks. I think. She was Yeah, there you go. So, yeah. So I mean, the top 3 all-time blocks leaders in yeah. BYU women's basketball history are all Hampsons mm-hmm. and it started with the 6 foot 7 product of Meridian High School um up in the uh, Idaho Panhandle. She's a BYU Hall of Famer. I mean, she was she was one of just kind of the early trendsetters in women women's basketball winning all sorts of all-American awards. Um kind of led the Cougars into the NCAA era, yeah. Um, as well, um, came she came along right in that that kind of gap time between the I think it was the AWSF and the NCAA. Um, if I, you'll probably get some angry hate mail if I'm totally wrong about that. But she I think was you're in right that, though. Yeah. That early NCAA era, um, and yeah, and what she's done just with her personal pedigree. I just i I really really want to pick her as the best number fifty four um, to ever wear the jersey. Well, but I, special honorable mention. Yeah, there were kind of two, but they both come from Timfew High School. Um, I'm going to give the nod to Carrie Whittingham. Okay, is that okay? Yeah, I, I, I I don't know if that's okay, but Carrie uh, Whittingham. He's the younger brother of former, also former BYU linebacker, um, and. Uh, current University of Utah head coach Kyle Whittingham. That's probably where most people know him from. Also coaches at Timfew High School, um, which is maybe where some local Utah listeners know him from right now. But he was one of these guys back in the day who was extremely underrated just in terms of a hitter. He had – there was a Whittingham style of tackling. (laughs) Um, And older listeners probably know what I'm talking about. I don't even know if I can describe it, but uh, like every one of these – every one of the Whittingham boys, if I remember did the same thing where it was, where they would like, it was, it was certainly part rugby tackle, but then you'd see them hitting with their head, but with their shoulders. I don't know if that makes any sense. Like I said, I don't know if I can describe it, but it it just, it feels very signature to the way they hit. Yeah. Um, So yeah. So I I definitely want to give an honorable mention to Carrie. Well, see, Sean, I actually picked uh, so number 66. So we're talking a week or so back, or actually two weeks back probably. I actually picked Ina Talei, if you remember her, the former BYU softball standout. I picked her over Mike Empey and James Empey. And uh, I, so I'm, I'm not afraid to actually pick uh, the the women who have stood out in BYU history. I was actually going to go with Tressa Spalding Hampson from the get-go. She was my pick. She was a legend. Uh, that legend status cannot be taken away from her. What she did in a BYU uniform cannot be ignored. So you're, you're not out of, out of bounds in picking her. Uh, a fun story, though, about one other guy here, John Fairchild. I don't know if you've heard this story, Sean, but when he played in the NBA, he played for the Los Angeles Lakers. He wore the number 33, and he always joked that his number was retired by the Los Angeles Lakers, but happened to have another last name on the jersey, if, you, if you're following what I'm talking about here. One Kareem Abdul-Jabbar had had his name in the rafter. So Fairchild also always joked apparently that his, his, his Jersey was hanging in the rafters of what was the forum at that point. Now the Staples center down there in Los Angeles, but just happened to have, you know, another guy's last name on it. I mean, that's not a reason to be the, uh, 
the uh, best ever number 54 in BYU history. I don't know what is. Yeah, so fun times there. Well, Sean, can't thank you enough for taking some time to sit down with us to talk about what's going on with the schedule for BYU. Also weighing in with your thoughts on these great Cougar legends. Like I said, anybody who wants to weigh in on this, we're doing this on our Twitter feed. Follow us at Locked on Cougars. That way you can weigh in. Sean, thanks for taking the time. It was a blast to have you on once again. We'll do it again soon. Anytime, Jake. Just let me know. Give me a call. And uh, one last parting thought mm-hmm. from the we're speaking of legends right now. Be excellent to each other and nice. party on, dudes. Nicely done. Bill and Ted reference. I love it. All right. That's Sean Walker. Big thank you to you guys for supporting the podcast. Like I said, follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Locked on Cougars. My personal Twitter feed is at Jacob C. Hatch. And if you want to follow Sean and his great work, either go to KSL Com Sports on Twitter or his own personal Twitter feed at actually DSW. Follow him. Thank him for coming on the show. Uh, the email address for this show as well, if you want to weigh in that way, is lockedonbyu at gmail.com. Have a great rest of your weekend. Whenever you hear this, we'll have another special edition tomorrow on the podcast and full editions back on Monday. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast for July 11th, 2020. Have a good one. Have a good one.